Welcome to the StarNet Regions 1 and 3 podcast. StarNet provides a variety of opportunities for personal and professional growth for those who touch the lives of young children, ages birth through eight, with an emphasis on children with special needs. StarNet supports family-centered, researched, and effective practices in early childhood education and care. To find out more about StarNet, please visit starnet.org. Um, so this one is the last one, um, and it's really open. And so I think we can kind of just talk about our process doing this, because goal five is open up dialogue with colleagues and families about all of these goals. So all of the goals we've talked about for the last four times, basically open up dialogue. So I would be interested in your reactions or feedback to this process that we've done over the last few months of the three of us getting together and talking through each of these goals. Okay. I listened, some of them have come out um, already and I listened to them and I was kind of actually nervous to listen thinking like, am I gonna hear something that I said that I wish I said differently or um, did I give people enough insight into how this is really not me trying to be an expert? It's me sharing my own experiences just as a way to prompt people to think about their own experiences. Um, so that part of it being recorded, having these conversations has been a really different experience um, for me. But I hope what people take away is that um, it is important to put yourself, um, make be okay with being uncomfortable um, because the only time we're going to really move forward in these conversations is to just uh, find trusting partners like I have in uh, you, Evelyn, and you, Annie, that um, I can keep having these conversations with and share new insights I have, be inspired by you to look into new things um, because it's an ongoing process. Um, I've not completely listened, but I, um, I, I am, as I listened, I'm happy that we're doing it. And the little bit that I listened to sounds, you know, my hope is of course that it will be valuable to some people. And at least, um, you know, I, I don't feel like, you know, as we've said several times, none of us have all the answers. This is a learning journey for everyone um but i my hope is that people get that that that's what we're saying that we all are still learning and they can go out and explore this and should feel comfortable doing it i guess that's my real desire through all this is um my hope is that folks feel confident enough after hearing us and maybe hearing some of our own you know kind of doubt <laughs> about what we're doing in our own questions will feel confident enough to, you know, go out and explore on their own and ask their own questions and see what's out there and, and change their practice based on that. Yeah, I've really enjoyed doing this process. Um, I think we have dove into some interesting conversations, and I think that we are modeling how you could have these conversations with other um, peers or coworkers. So we're going to go two ways. The first question I'm going to ask is, looking back on our five, four times together, 
doesn't matter if you've listened to it or not, but just kind of thinking about either emotions that you felt or the feelings you had during the, the four different conversations, what might you um, describe to our listeners as they might be thinking about diving into these conversations? How might they feel or what are some of the reactions that you had as we were diving into the conversations? Um, just to remind you, so um, we talked about social identity, we talked about how to learn about differences and human diversity. We talked about the advantages and disadvantages of isms. And then we also talked a lot about social justice activism. Um, I think um, one of the things that kind of always gets me <laughs> um, when we do this is, or when we have these conversations and, you know, particularly the podcast, but anytime that, you know, we have these conversations, I'm doing this with another organization um, and I'm on their DEI committee and we meet every couple of weeks and we have uh, organizations coming in helping us do this. And one of the things that's always interesting to me is how I'm still not completely comfortable. <laughs> with it. I'm I'm still not completely comfortable. So, um And are you able to dive deeper into that? Like do you can you like pinpoint what is uncomfortable about it? Um well, I you know, you guys know that I I mostly will say exactly what I think. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time. <laughs> um and so sometimes I worry, you know, sometimes I, I worry when I'm having these conversations, am I making other people uncomfortable? Now, I, you know, I'll, I will be honest, I don't worry about it that much. <laughs> um, you know, I just don't worry about it that much because that's who I am. But I do, especially when I'm having the conversations with people that I care about, like you two, or like, you know, the organization that I'm, I'm with. Um, that when we do this, and so I do worry a little bit that, or sometimes that I'm making, that that my observations or thoughts might make other people uncomfortable. It doesn't stop me from saying it, though. <laughs> right. And I would even say, yeah, I I've, sometimes I may think like what I'm going to say is I know is going to push buttons, but I feel like I guess I'm in the same way as you, like, I know I'm going to push buttons, but I'm also doing it because um, of my own learning journey. Like, I, I've i been in a place where this was a, a button that it was being pushed by me, and I learned about it, and I was able to, to be through this change. So I don't know if that, you know, but like, Yes, I don't want to. I don't want to make people mad, but I also want to challenge you because I think challenging is challenging someone um, in this work is part of the work. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, buttons need to be pushed. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, some that buttons need to be pushed sometimes. So, um, you know, I work my way through it, but I do. You know, every now and then I get a little like, uh oh. Don't, don't go too far with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I've had a whole range of emotions, a lot of stories that Evelyn has shared, 
about her experience just make me really, really angry. Um, but we didn't, I don't think we shared in this how Evelyn and I started having these conversations with each other. Is it okay with you if I tell that story, Evelyn? Sure, sure. Okay. So Evelyn and I were at a workshop uh, about the pyramid model. Dr. Rosemary Allen was facilitating and uh, we were on a lunch break. And there was a table of uh, a couple women of color and a couple white women. And we were just eating lunch and talking. And I made the comment uh, that I was like, wow, racism is just getting so much worse right now. I feel like the person in charge of our country is igniting these fires and it's just getting so much worse and so much out of the open. And Evelyn was like, no, that's not true. It's always been this bad. Your eyes are just open to it more. And so we kind of continued the conversation a little bit. And I had to do a lot of reflecting because this was probably, I don't know, Evelyn, was that four years ago? Yeah, probably. I'm, I'm so bad with time, but that's that sounds about right. Right. So we had only known each other for a couple of years at that point, and I really respected you uh, and I cared about you. And I was like, wow, I just majorly screwed up. I don't even understand why I said that. I don't know why I believe that's true. And so I felt such gratitude that Eva was like, just like, no. And we had a little bit more conversation about it, but that sparked us um, in, in continuing this dialogue. I have come, I came to realize that what it was is um, I have a blended family. My youngest son is my only biological child. He is half Mexican. And at that time, there was a tremendous outpouring of more outrageous and more specific threats towards Hispanic families, children. There's a lot of talk about the border between Mexico and the United States. And so it was the first time in my life that it was personal. And that's what made it feel like it was more or more out in the open or people were more confident in being explicitly racist. And it's because up until that point, my inner circle, the you know, my family itself hadn't had a direct threat as a basis of racism. And the woman, the Caucasian woman who I was seeing talking with also had children who were um, mixed uh, or biracial children and a blended family as well. They had mixed their families together. She had experienced it too uh, in terms of uh, people um, being overtly racist to her sons. And so every time now that I get angry hearing about stories of other people, I go back to my own experience of what a gift it is when someone doesn't come back at you when you misstep or you reveal a place of learning and they don't come at you with anger, but have the um, give you grace and seize an opportunity to help you grow. Because that, if Evelyn hadn't done that, we didn't have the relationship we had sparked it. I wouldn't have spent probably as intently the last four or five years really digging into why I made that statement, why my perceptions were the way that they were. And I think it also has to do with your reaction. So there may be, there have been situations that I'm sure all three of us have been part of as we're leading workshops where um, someone may make a statement and we might come back and say, 
when we're having these conversations, we want to use this term, like this is more inclusive language. And then you have someone who is adamantly against that, adamantly against reading books about pronouns in early childhood, adamantly against um, talking about uh, mixed race families in early childhood, adamantly against whatever it is, right? And there is a sense of anger behind it. But it sounds like in this situation between you and Evelyn, when you started having these conversations, you didn't come back at her with anger. And she didn't necessarily, she didn't approach you with anger. There was no anger, but there was, Evelyn was calling you in and you were taking it as she respects me enough to say, I want to help you learn. You're going to have to do some learning on by yourself, but like what you just said is not correct. And you came at it, not from a point of anger, like you're telling me I'm wrong, but oh, I need to do some self-reflection. And I, and I think that's a big part of this work also is we need to feel respected enough and have enough of a sense of identity, I guess. I don't know if it's a sense of identity to say that person just called me into a conversation and I want to learn because of that. I don't want to get angry at them, but I want to know why they said that. And I think that's a big point of that also. Yeah, and I, I think as it relates to early childhood, that's what NACI and other early childhood organizations are inviting us to do is invite people into conversations, call them in, but also step up as an individual and not wait to be called in or called out or however it ends up happening to be proactive in exploring these so that we can create it. But you know, Evelyn, is that your perception of that situation? I just shared my perception of that of that interaction. Is that the same as yours? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And that's how we started doing all of this was just because of that observation. And, you know, you weren't the first person that had said that either to me or around me or, you know, in conversations that I was either a part of or near. You were probably the first person that I responded to that way because, I, you know, I could say it to you and know that you would not get angry, that <laughs> we might question it or whatever. And, um, okay, you know what? That's not true. You weren't the first person, <laughs> but you were probably the first person in, in the early childhood world that at least recently I had said it to. Well, I'm grateful that you did. I, I was looking at the NACI resources around um, understanding um, anti-bias education and they have a, co a quote kind of pulled out and emphasized that really, um, it reflects on what we're talking about, but it also reflects on all these podcasts. And the quote is, differences do not create bias. Children learn prejudice from prejudice, not from learning about human diversity. It is how people respond to differences that teaches bias and fear. And I think that's so powerful. Yeah. That is really powerful. Yes. That idea of teaching fear. Right? Yeah. That I think a big part of maybe our uncomfortable feelings of having these conversations, even with people that we respect, um, it's because we have been embedded in our lives that th these are conversations to fear that these are conversations that you, quote, shouldn't have. 
So as we are kind of thinking about the end of this whole series, what would you say to early childhood professionals who may have watched Nadia Habanetta's Apple's video and listened to all five of our podcasts? What is the next step? What, how do they do this process that we did? I think I would look at um, who, who is in our closest circle in terms of professionally, someone we respect, already have a trusting relationship with, um, and pick one of these topics that we talked about, whether it's showing joy and diversity or any of the um, outcomes we've been looking at, and just send an open invitation to a small group of people that you already have a trusting relationship with, like how Evelyn and you and I do, and yeah. just invite people to have a dialogue. Say, hey, I'm going to read an article because I want to pursue this as part of my professionalism. I'm going to read this. Does anyone want to read this and talk about it afterwards? And just pick one to start with that you are most interested in um, and start small. And it might just be one person, um, but you'll learn a lot from from starting the conversation. Yes, I agree 100%. I think the the most the most impactful learning knowing comes from those conversations you have with people that you trust that you can be totally honest with and that kind of gives you the confidence to go out and and go beyond that smaller circle and maybe that'll give you know, the confidence to do that first thing with, with your class in your classroom or with kids once you kind of gained um, a, a little bit of confidence and self-awareness and, and, you know, you have some knowledge about what you're talking about. But I think beginning those conversations in smaller groups, um, whether it be, you know, starting a, a, a little tiny PLC with colleagues in your building or that you work with that, you know, you've, you've noticed are, are saying the same things or saying some of the same things. So, um, yes, I agree 100%, I think, with Emily is that's, that really, for me, it, it is the way to start. And it, it's important because I think you do, I think what holds people back is they are afraid of what they say may insult somebody else, or it may be the wrong thing or the wrong word or the whatever. And so when you have those conversations and begin to build it up and, and you know, gain the confidence and you have the conversations with people that you trust, then it's easier to go out and have them in, in larger groups. I agree. And if, if you're working in some place where you're like, I really don't feel like I know of anyone you know, I feel like I'm on an island. Folks aren't noticing this. Um, take advantage of some of the online communities that exist. The Division for Early Childhood has a group that is focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion as a major focus. They're holding um, webinars. Some of them have been archived that you can watch. There is a Facebook forum um, that NACI also um Hosts that you can join and join a dialogue there, invite people in, say, hey, I read this book. Does anyone want to hop on a Facebook Live? There may not be someone who you feel right now 
um, you can start that with where you work. Um, so take advantage of, of some of the broader conversations that are happening. And one yeah. of the things I would say as you're developing these, either if one person or a few people is really to make sure you set some community um, agreements. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think that that needs to be one of the first processes. We did not show that on here, um, but we have, all three of us have led groups through community agreements and we all essentially share the same community agreements. Um, but just making sure that you really do think about um, respecting others, knowing that um, people have, have good intentions, but that you may call people into conversations. You're going to speak from the eye. You're speaking from your own experience. You're not, I'm not speaking for everyone who looks like me or has the same background as me. Um, right. And so just making sure you really ground yourself in some community agreements before moving forward. Agreed. Absolutely agree. And you know what? That reminds me of something you saying that, Annie, is not just know, not just, you know, knowing, using those I statements and saying and, and recognizing in yourself that you're not speaking for the whole group. But sometimes you need to let the group know that you're not speaking for everyone that, that you might represent. I, you know, you guys know I find myself in lots of situations where. I am the only, and it's very important to me for people to understand that my experience is my experience, um, and it may not be other people's, it probably is not, that even within the context of, you know, a, a, an identity group, you are still an individual, and your experiences are individual, and so I think it's important to let people know that, that, you know, you may have some general you know, you may have experienced something, but it may not be what somebody else experienced and it may not be in the same way. Yeah. <laughs> and I think one of the things that I'm coming to understand um, and doing this podcast and reflecting is helping is that for what has worked for me is having a balance of talking with other people and having conversations and doing some personal reflection. Um because I've realized not everything that I'm processing and coming to understand needs to be a public dialogue. Some of that needs to be a dialogue just within myself. Um, so I found myself doing a lot of uh, just uh, processing and reflecting on my own. And then from that, kind of seeing what does apply to my work or what does uh, apply to my relationships with other people that I need to share or things that I just need to know for myself. So those are all the questions I have for our final podcast, unless there's anything you all wanted to bring out that hasn't been discussed over the last five episodes. I think we've covered a ton. Um, <laughs> I think if you're we right. Really think about all of the, the things that we've learned from each other, about each other, the things that we've shared, I really do think that we have hopefully really modeled a, a good process of learning and a good process of sharing. Um, and inviting people in to the conversation. Um, I'm hoping that's what people are getting from these podcasts. Yeah. I think, no, go ahead, Emily. I was just agreeing, saying yes. Yeah, I agree. And I think one of the um, guidelines of multicultural practice, I heard it first from Monique Marshall. Um, I know others have different ones, uh, but one that I 
I really stick with as being uncomfortable with non-closure. It's not a, a checklist yeah. you're going to do. It's not a webinar you're going to attend. It's an online, ongoing dialogue with yourself, uh, your family, and your peers. And um, you're going to be on the journey forever once you start it in a good way. Yeah, I, I've been on this journey for a lot of years. <laughs> a lot of years. And, um, you know, you, I learn something new every day. And you're right. Being comfortable. And the other one, Emily, I agree. Being comfortable with non-disclosure. But also, it. I think the hardest thing is being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing that it's not always going to be a comfortable conversation, even if it's with friends, you know, or it's not always going to be a comfortable conversation. And that's okay, especially if you've already kind of put those community guidelines in place. First. Yeah, and I think that's part of what I realized when I agreed to do it as a podcast is knowing that five years from now, I'm going to go back and listen and be uncomfortable maybe with some of the perspectives that I held or ideas that I shared because I fully intend on moving past the place that I'm at, but just being okay with knowing that um, it's okay to be at whatever spot in the journey you are if you're coming with the intention of of learning. Yeah. The important part is to be on the journey. It doesn't matter where you are on it, but. And this is just a snapshot of our journey. Each of us are in a different place and it's just a snapshot of each of our journeys. Excellent. Thank you for listening to this episode of the StarNet Regions 1 and 3 podcast. If you have any questions or concerns, please reach out at starnet at wiu.edu.